Good morning and a happy Thursday to you folks. Today has all the makings of a fabulous day. And here's an idea to make it even more fantastic and fabulous too. Fantabulous even. Today, let's try not to make an assumption. So often we replace assumptions with facts and they become our truths. Making assumptions is just asking for problems in your life misunderstandings, wasted energy, personal tax, and drama, drama, drama. So today, let's focus on having the courage to ask questions and not make assumptions. Communicate with one another because today is the day to express what you want. And I want to get this Thursday party started. Yeah! It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome to the Crude Live Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. It is April Fool's Day today. Oh my goodness, April Fool's. And here we didn't have any sort of joke planned out of the gate. In fact, I was going to not show up for real, but... (laughs) Joke would have been on me. Absolutely. (laughs) Happy Thursday. So we're going to just talk a little bit about some uh, jokes a little bit later in the program. Some ones that have gone wrong. Maybe some ones to play on your... Spouse, your significant other, if you're back at the office. Coworker. Some, yeah. some playful ones as well that are a little more on the harmless side. So we are going to talk a little bit about April Fool's, but really no big extravagant joke. We're not coming out and calling our name, you know, the... the yeah, what did Volkswagen do the The other? Green Life. The Green Life. Or the... Uh, well, Volt, Volkswagen. Volkswagen, right? Which yeah. actually is not a bad name yeah. um, for, for an electric car. For them, it's not. No, nope. it's corny and it's stupid. But you know what? It, it's it's one of those. It's so dumb. It actually makes sense. It works. Um, and then what was there? There was another one too that uh, I think they were changing a name, and that kind of came out, and they had to already scale back and debunk it. Right, because people were freaking out about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And anyway, so we're not going to do anything like that. You know, we're not going to come out with the wind life or the the envoy life. The envoy life. Yeah. The yeah, crude. we are now the official channel of the Climate Envoy. The Climate Life. Yeah, the, the Climate Life. The Climate Life. There we go. Wait, is that available? We should check that out. No, that's porn. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> See, I, Pretty much everything left is porn. <laughs> Welcome to the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling coming to you from our industrial forest studio, which we are constructing right now because we're going to be bringing it to the Williston Basin Petroleum Conference 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 That's how excited I am I'm, I'm eliminating words Man we should get an RV we should turn an RV into a studio let's do that You know I was talking with Ken Lavin with Winter Mud mm-hmm. Winter Mud Winter Mud and Fossil Fuel Friday and we were hoping that we could get somebody to pitch in and and do a big old diesel truck like a monster truck type, right. crude life truck. Yeah, we're going to roll the coal, baby. Drive across shale, play USA, filling nice. up with diesel right there at the well, baby. <laughs> Drink from the spigot. Right. <laughs> and actually, in the Bakken, you could almost do that. Is it? Uh, right. It's so refined coming out of the earth yeah. 
that you could technically you could use it in a diesel engine. Now it would smoke and it would probably tear probably everything up eventually. Gum, gum yeah, it up, gum a it up bit, but, but in a pinch. Yeah, in a pinch. I've heard that about Saudi. Some of the Saudi oil comes up. You can practically put it right in a vehicle. Oh, it's that sweet too. Mm, huh? That sweet that crude, sweet crude baby. Yep. <laughs> Why does that make me hungry? I don't know, I don't but they, know. they come up with a great name. Sweet Crude. See, that's a great name. There is actually a drink in North Dakota. We've interviewed the gentleman who came mm-hmm. up with it, and it's called Sweet Crude. Actually, that's it's Bakken Sweet Crude. Is it, that could be a coffee, too. That could be a Guinness Stout. That could be everything. I believe his first name is Art. Oh, we got to get him on. But because of Seinfeld... My mind always goes <laughs> Vandalay. So no matter what your name is, right, it's, if, if it's boom. art, yep. it, you're automatically competing with Vandalay. <laughs> the guy that's not Steve Ducey. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Back to that. So, <laughs> dropped a Steve Ducey this morning. Bakken Barbecue. Of course, next week, our spudtacular announcement coming. I don't want to give it away. Nope. I don't want to give you any hints. Now, it's the vegetarian option, right? It's a spudtacular okay. announcement. Clam bake, folks. We don't want to give away what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. But it is spudtacular. Okay, well, you've got me stumped, man. I'm, I'm guessing it's got to be seafood Vegetarian of some Vegetarian at a barbecue? Right. What's that? Yeah. That's like cats and dogs playing house. They don't just chase you around, hold you down, and smear bacon on your skin? That would be like oil and gas and renewables getting along, right? Cats and dogs living together. Kangaroos and porcupines <laughs> hanging out. See, that makes sense to me because you would not put a porcupine in a kangaroo's pouch. No, that's that's clearly a no-no. That's nature saying stay away. Maybe that should be a crude life saying. That should be it. That should be it. <laughs> you know Whoa. the old saying, you don't put a porcupine in your pouch. <laughs> Speaking of which, it's time to plug Kate's Man Cave. <laughs> This week's sponsor. Thank you very much, Kate's Man Cave, Thank for being you, one of our Man sponsors. Cave. I wonder if they would that would work. Don't put a porcupine in your pouch. I, I want a t-shirt now. <laughs> Last night, I put a porcupine in my pouch. <laughs> and this morning, you had a doocy. I'm not even sure what that means. Yeah, but that's I, the but, thing, though. It's, it's, it's like an onion. It's got layers, but I, man. I know the radio would never air this. <laughs> That's all I know, and I don't even know what we're talking hey, about. you know, when something means absolutely nothing, it can mean anything. <laughs> when it's too ambiguous, you know you're, the FCC is going to come calling, right? Like okay. they say in Ron Burgundy, 66% of the time, it works all the time. Uh, coming up a little later in the program, we are starting off. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? I am bum, ready. Bum, bum. I am entertained. Okay, I'm pulling it up here as I... The speed of the internet. Notes. Okay, so... It is April. Okay. It is April Fool's Day. Next yep. segment, we're going to have some April Fool's pranks that have gone wrong and even some safe ones you can do around the house. You know, like back in my day, back in my day, mm-hmm. we would put saran wrap on the toilet. I remember that. Okay. Yep. So when a male would go pee pee, mm-hmm. it would splash all over. Or if you were half asleep and ready to do a deuce. So e. when you grew up in my household with four boys, and the father. Oh, man, your poor mother. The mother, you know, what do we got? Five boys, six. So what's six divided by 100? It's less than 20%. Wow, did she just so go outside? That would have been safer you, and cleaner for you got her. A, you got an 18%, 17% chance of it really not working. Yeah. Because there's only one female in the house. <laughs> but otherwise, it works good. Oh, man. Okay, I'll have to, I'll have to try that one. Uh, well, you've got all girls I know, in the I house. live in a house full of girls. Yeah. So you just got to play yeah, the prank I can leave, I, by, I could just put the seat up. That'll do it. <laughs> I'll just make them upset. <laughs> so we've got some of that coming up. But anyway, April is, by the way, 
amongst other things, because it is National Confederate History Month. Honestly. It is. April is. So I'm not quite sure if they're going to be taking down Confederate statues, because in our neck of the woods here, this is no kidding. No kidding. Mm -hmm. The, 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 The social shamers... The, the social shamers and finger pointers. Mm-hmm. The righteous warriors. The, the national ones, the, yeah. the globalists, if you will, mm-hmm. from the inner interweb have come in now. And we, we've got, okay, we've, we've got these like small towns outside of Fargo, and they're called Dilworth, Glendon, and what's the other one? Felton. Felton. The, the other one's so small. My dad was a postmaster of that, in fact. And I thought or they would just drive yeah, by and I throw it out the away. window, man. <laughs> well, when he retired from there, I assume the town went away too. Yeah, it's, it's because the town was being disincorporated. So it's DGF. Okay. Dilworth, Glendon, Felton. And they're known as the Rebels. The Rebels. Oh, yeah, I see the signs. For the school, you mean. So it's yeah. it's one of those uh, uh, mustache, Yosemite Sam mm-hmm. hats type of a thing, you know, where it's more cheekbone than it is face. Yeah. Well, apparently, some one of the social shamers from some somewhere we don't know where, they roboted in a bunch of emails to the city council, much like the folks did with the Meridian Energy Group mm-hmm. out in North Dakota. Okay, we're going to push pause for a second here, folks, because mm. what happens is, is the social shamers of the world, they have a template and they have resources. So in North Dakota, what happened with the Meridian Energy Group in the Davis Refinery, which is coming to Texas. It's coming to Kermit, Texas. The Walton Refinery in the county... That's a twist-tonger. In the county of Winkler. Jeez. Wow. Oh, there, there's, I'm going to get an atlas, man. No, I'm lost. Okay. First of all, you got Henry Winkler to catch you up, right? Okay, yeah, so the Fonz. It's, it's the Winkler County. Okay. But it's the Walton Refinery. Of course, you got the Waltons. Walton family. Bill Walton yep. and just the name Walton to catch yep. you up there. And then the other one is Kermit, Texas. So there's a city, Kermit, but you got Kermit the Frog. So you got three kind of iconic names to try to remember which one's a county, which one's the refinery, and which one's a city. It took me like three years. Yeah, is there going to be a test? And I don't even know if I'm right. <laughs> All right, just to summarize more for myself here, but we have the Kermit City. We've got Winkler County. Winkler. But it's the Walton Refinery from Meridian Energy. Jeez, okay. Man. I need a map. So they, you know, they had to take on this and it was a year mm-hmm. of uh, of and they by the way, they had to respond to every single one of those emails. So they had to pay somebody to respond to, to respond those. to every now yeah. it was more of a copy and paste for them too, mm-hmm. but they had to respond to every specific one of those email addresses, this and that. So Getting to the just from pressure, that's why they're responding to everything. Uh, well, no, but you have to. You have to. You just have to. It's part of the. It's part of the process, the public comment process, with to get your permit so okay. that you can build it. So, getting to the local controversy here in DGF, Dilworth, Glendon, Felton, with the rebels. That looks like a, I don't know a, a smushed up Yosemite Sam or yeah, something like cross that. Between that I'm and like sure. the Raiders football team, logo, right? You know, it's yeah. So. There was a woman from Alabama, I believe it's from Alabama, and she wrote a letter in after this controversy went kind of public that she didn't understand why it was Confederate, mm-hmm. and it looked like a smushed up pirate or a drunk, or I don't know, yeah. she basically said a couple things that weren't Confederate, and so 
we're, we're entering a different time, you know, and I, I, we bring this up, folks, because when we started this, it was, it's National Confederate Month. Isn't that right? What do yeah, we say? Confederate Awareness, right? Yeah, I guess so. I'm, Pull it up here. Sorry. Must be a really boring coloring book. Confederate History Month. That's what it is. Confederate History Month. So, I mean, before every Duke's a hazard then, do we just have a little you know hey hey the more you know moment psa actually that's that's a good idea to some extent that's what disney does but yeah we talked about that with the peacock network with wwe to where uh the peacock network has taken out all kinds of footage from the wwe network anything that doesn't meet their standards Mm -hmm. and practices which must be a significant amount of older footage there goes bobby the brain he was gonna say there's gonna be whole chapters gone gone well, junkyard dog. Yeah. I mean, there's there's characters. Yeah, Mr. Iron Fuji, Sheik, Mr. Fuji, Mr. Fuji, Nikolai Volkov. Yep. I mean, there was. I, I mean, there's uh, one guy, Nikita Koloff. He mm-hmm. he went to Moorhead State here locally. Oh, he really? Local football. boy. Yeah, wow. He played football. <laughs> so I mean, He's a big guy. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, there's it's what else do we got going on? So the Confederate History Month. But the reason we're bringing this up is because it's, it's Keep America Beautiful Month. Now, see, I like that one better. So it's. Keep America Beautiful Month, among many others. Irritable Bowel Syndrome Month, Fresh Florida Tomato Month. <laughs> we got to celebrate Irritable Bowels for a whole month, man. Financial Literacy Month. I do like that. I celebrate that. Diversity Month, Alcohol Awareness Month. Wow. Black Women's History Month. National Autism. All of this is in April? National Cancer Control Month, National Cannabis Awareness Month. Well, those two go together. Man, they just you control cancer with was, cannabis. Was, was April the only month left, and everybody just poured into it? National Canine Fitness Month. Oh, when is it National Canine Sit on Your Ass Month? <laughs> I mean, is it's December through February these, here? But so we saw that uh, it is Keep America. Beautiful month. So what we've done is we've got Keep America Clean, Keep America Beautiful interviews. We're going to be doing all month long. Very long introduction for Ashley McNamee, who's uh, joining us with our ESG talk this month. Because, of course, that's the new buzzword, ESG. Environmental Social Governance. Meridian Energy Group, they've been doing this for years. They've got, uh, they'll be on this month as well, talking about their green initiative and Go green, all the different stuff they have going on because they've gone through it, man. They've gone through it to get investors mm-hmm. to try to get to that next step from the state. Uh, the state got you know pressure from the from the uh, social shamers, so that it, tr- it trickled down. Yeah, it just trickles down. So we'll be talking about that as well. And uh, what else is going on here? Oh, so we've got we're getting our calendar put together. So the Williston Basin Petroleum Council. Uh, their conference is going to be May 11th through the 13th. And then we have the Bach and Barbecue. That's the... What was that, June? June 18th, I want to say. Okay. 19th, it's a Saturday. But the week before that, we'll be down in the Permian. So we're putting together a calendar. We're going to have that available. And then we'll be out next month and Oh, no, this month because it's April. Maybe we can uh, borrow in John Colorado. Kerry's jet. Wouldn't that be fun? That would be more efficient than, you know, all the driving you're going to do. Maybe borrow uh, Greta's sneakers and walk. (laughs) We can walk a mile in her shoes. I don't know, man. You've got pretty big feet. Well, apparently climate change hasn't affected me. (laughs) 
Just like to uh, mention that this week's sponsor is Kate's Man Cave. <laughs> well, all that plus much more. And what do we got? So we got Ashley and McNamee coming in the second half of the inner uh, second half of the work hard portion. We've got April Fools. We've got oh, we got news. We got some news, rumors, and news speak as well coming up. All kinds of different things. Folks, we're going to take a brief pause and we come back more with Sterling, Jason Spies. This is the Work Hard, Play Hard. I'm sorry, the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. Folks, when we come back, this is the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. We'll see you in a few. I feel all right. Well, I'm doing okay. Well, I'm here for the moment, you know, and then I'm on my way. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000, when Fargo native Mike Marcel, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Kate's Man Cave and how Kate has improved my mind, body, and my soul. Kate's Man Cave uses the latest in sexual health education high-quality hygiene products, and the hottest, and I do mean hottest, accessories from Pure Romance. Kate's Man Cave has enhanced my life more than I could ever imagine. Kate's Man Cave has quality products for my bath and shower, as well as my overall wellness. But between you and me, and anyone else listening, they also have products for my bedroom and my boudoir. Takes a real man to enter Kate's man cave. So if you're a real man or you want to turn your boy into a man, then check out Kate's man cave today. That's Kate's man cave. Play hard, work hard. Now let's play hard. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. A little April Fool's talk now. By the way, coming up a little later in the program, Ashley McNamee. She's the director of ESG services of Alvarez and Marcel. I know I forgot to mention that in the last segment. 
And so I do apologize. Well, actually, I was informed of that over the break by email. So thank you for those people who decided to uh, listen in and email us. Studio at thecrudelife.com. Studio at thecrudelife.com. We should do emails again. That's uh, We've got a few more that uh, we could do. Another one taking me to task. Yeah, I'd be kind of curious if we've been getting some some comments. Asking me if I'm getting a little too big for my britches. Getting a little certain, preachy? Well, I'm, I'm calling out leadership. Yeah. Calling out leadership. Well, now's the time. Now's the time when uh, It's leader, almost too late. When leaders... It is. It yeah. almost is because there's now they're reacting again. Everybody's mm-hmm. reacting again. So apparently we didn't learn our lesson in Colorado. We didn't learn our <laughs> lesson in California. We didn't learn our lesson in New York. And now um, they, they have enough of a template to do it nationwide now. And so yeah. we got Gina McCarthy and... And we uh, got a news story Joe coming Biden. out of Colorado we'll talk about later. Climate but, uh, Envoy John Kerry. They're kind of leading the discussion. And I saw a um, press release put out by Mike Summers. Not a press release, but a post. From the API? On LinkedIn uh, from Mike Summers at API. Yeah, talking a lot now about... A lot of the same thing that John Kerry was talking about. So um, just different. Talking points, bullet points. Yep. yep. A lot of of that is happening now. So they're relaying the new narrative Mm -hmm. to oil and gas. So... And if that's the way people want to go, well, okay. Well, come what on are, and talk. What are come we hearing talk? in the last just week or two is more of a transition to carbon capturing, you know, at a, uh, Occidental? Yeah. Right? I actually, I saw that's in the news stories, and I can't wait to talk about that because I have a different theory on oh, that. All right, let's talk a little bit about some April, April Fools. Fools. Man. So, did you ever? Were you ever big into doing April Fool stuff? Like favorite holiday, favorite holiday, right? Favorite holiday besides Groundhog's Day. <laughs> In 1996, Taco Bell stunned the nation when they published full-page ads in several na- major newspapers announcing that they had bought the Liberty Bell. The one in Philadelphia. Taco and, Bell bought the Liberty and Bell. And they were renaming it the Taco Liberty Bell. And there was newspapers and, and news sources they took that out fell ads. for it? Oh, oh well, they, they took, took out, out an ad. ad. They okay. took out full okay. page ads. So they didn't that mention... That was the day and age when you couldn't trick the newspapers as easy as you could now. Well, 90, 1996, it's, it was Yahoo days. It was early internet days. You know? If even. If yeah. even. So, so even politicians at the time, <laughs> like Senators Bill geez. Bradley and James Exxon, called the National Park Service to find out why this priceless, revolutionary war-era antique had been sold Love to it. a place that sells gorditas. Love it. Absolutely <laughs> love it. And uh, and a, the foreign one at that. Yeah. Taco <laughs> Bell, right? Well, I think they're Chinese now, right? Yum Yum Brands? I think they own Taco Do Bell. Do they own it now? I believe so. Well, whoever wow. owns Pepsi and KFC and Pizza Hut, right? Taco Bell is part of that conglomerate. Right, yeah. yeah. That's a Chinese Chinese um, company. So, wow, that was they pulled one over on yeah, everybody. They pulled, huh? Well, they forgot to say April Fool's, yeah. So uh, another one here. This one was kind of funny. This was in... Uh, this was actually fairly recently. So in 2002, it certainly sounded ominous when Kansas City DJs Johnny Dare and Murphy Wells warned the audiences that the drinking water had been tested for high levels of dihydrogen monoxide. Okay, so this is a morning show radio? Radio show. They are notorious for doing April Fool's jokes. Yep. So any local authorities that fall for the 
douche in the morning, right, insane yeah. in the Don't morning. Don't take your work from meat or news from meat sauce. What's Come the, on. What's the David Ira? Crazy Ira and the douche. Crazy Ira and the douche. Because <laughs> it happens here on Fargo where oh, yeah. the Y94 has been the longtime uh, kids station. Okay. Every three, four years, they get one by the goalie. Every three, four years, the police fall for it. Yep. The, the the health organization, the, the media's got to come out. The, the um, Well, it was like Volkswagen. Uh, the, 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 I was thinking that was a legit thing. Yeah, the television news will run out and go <laughs> grab it. And, you know, here's a couple snot-nosed punks just laughing away. Laughing I away, clap, man. I oh, clap. Well, yeah, because that's harmless. And say good for you guys. It's Absolutely. fun, man. So what, what are, what well, it turns out that dihydrogen mo- monoxide is actually the chemical term for HTO which is water. So, yes, you were fine. So what did they say? They were saying that warning people not to drink water because it had tested for high levels of dihydrogen monoxide, basically saying, it's got water in it. So water's got water? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Well, I mean, it's like... Uh, what, That's kind of clever. The Simpsons, your epidermis is showing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More than 150 of their listeners called the water department to complain. Your epidermis means hair. One water official <laughs> described the prank as a terrorist act. Epidermis does mean skin, folks. Yeah, I was going to say, even they screwed it up. <laughs> that was great. Well, it's Nelson, right? So Yeah, he's... Oh, man. So here's a good one that you can play in your office for those of you that have an office. So... You know those seats that go up and down by air compression? Yeah. So what you can do is you can put an air horn, and so when they go down, the air horn goes off. Could you imagine <laughs> what happened in an office? Man, I would have flown right back out of oh, the chair, dude. And, and you could be in yeah. three offices over, and you'd fly out of your Probably chair, shatter right? a window. Oh, man, that's a great one. <laughs> do you remember this in, I think it was 2016, Google added an April Fool's feature to Gmail called a mic drop button. No, I do not. So it let users insert an animated GIF of a minion from the Despicable Me movie dropping a microphone to the end of any email. What's more, after using the mic drop feature, it would immediately disable the email chain because, duh, you drop the mic, there's nothing more to say. Unfortunately... The mic drop button was right next to the send button, and not everybody could tell the difference. Some people sent mic drops to future employers, family members, informing them of personal tragedy and other events. It was an epic disaster. Google admitted in a statement, well, it looks like we pranked ourselves this year. That's pretty good, actually. Um, It's kind of like that uh, 30 Rock episode when the photo shredder was the same as the photo scanner. So you just had to put PS if you wanted your photos shredded. Mm -hmm. But if you wanted them scanned, you had to move it to PS (laughs) as well. Yeah, if you turn it upside down, yeah. So here's a here's one of those uh, kind of harmless ones that you can do for you know if you got kids around the house or everything. So you you cut out an insect right with paper, mm-hmm. and then you put it in a lamp, and then it looks like there's an insect. There's like there's something floating around in the lamp, right? <laughs> that so. drives some people nuts. Man. Oh, totally. People are scared of spiders and bugs and stuff like that. That's kind of a good one. Here's a sisters help sisters bury their husbands one. It's easy to say that in hindsight. When Tennessee resident Susan Tammy Hudson called her sister in 2013 and said, I shot my husband. I'm cleaning up the mess. Let's go bury him in Blackwater. It was probably an April Fool's joke. And not just because she made the call on April April 1st. It just sounds like a suspicious request. But Hudson's sister wasn't so sure. Apparently, she'd heard rumors of marital trouble. And when she called the rest of the family to tell them what Hudson had confessed, somebody decided they couldn't let a relative get away with murder. 
A squad car showed up at Hubson's house, and after her husband revealed himself to be entirely unmurdered, no charges were pressed. (laughs) That is an excellent way to phrase that. Ladies and gentlemen, I am unmurdered. Yes, I have been unmurdered. Yes. I've never heard it (laughs) phrased like that, but it made total sense. Here's a couple harmless ones for you here is uh, you take a piece of paper and you just write a little note, you know, maybe, you know, the size of, uh, you know, a couple postage stamps in size, right? Mm -hmm. So you write a note or draw a picture. Well, then you tape it on a mouse. So then... Somebody's mouse doesn't work when they flip it over. Ah! Ha, April Fool's, middle finger, gotcha, whatever, you know, whatever. That happened to me. Whatever you fancy for your little message, you Mm -hmm. know, I love you, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, Another, this is a good one if you never want your kids to eat a caramel apple again. So what you do is you take an onion and you dip it in caramel. And then you have it on. Yeah, exactly. So they they bite in, you get the caramel for a millisecond, and then you get... A lifetime of onion oh. therapy. Yeah, I'm not sure that you would ever, ever be able. I mean, that's, that's like PTSD, I man. I was going to say, so every Halloween, when you walk by the caramel apples, <sighs> shiver, you just start shiver. shivering in the corner yeah. to fetal position. Maybe that's the way to, back and forth. to get people off sweets, you know, take a Kit Kat bar. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. You know what my daughter wants to do for a uh, April Fool's prank? For one of her friends, my seven-year-old wants to rub onions over M&Ms and carefully seal them back in the bag. Genius. It's nasty, man. You don't mess with people in chocolate. This is awesome. Are you ready for this one? Yeah, give it to me. So you go find a photo. And now in this particular example, it's a family photo. So they did it at their house. Right. But no, actually, I'm sorry. No, this is amongst just looks like workers. But either way, okay. let's say you go to an office, right, where they've got the management staff mm-hmm. or whatever the case is. Seller of the month. or In this one, they replaced, looks like just, you know, a picture of a family member with Kim Jong-il. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? That would be just a, well, just anybody, whoever. Just right. uh, it's a Kim Jong-il. Server of the month, King Jolly. <laughs> You know, Keanu Reeves from Speed, you know? There oh, he is man, that's in the awesome. bus. Right. <laughs> I love that, where you just replace one of your random photos on pictures the wall with of a, a random photo. Yeah. I suppose, like, as a real estate agent or something, you could do that once or <laughs> twice. <laughs> Make Mentos ice bombs for your friends that love sodas. Oh, so man. So you put a Mento in, in an ice cube. Oh, in the ice cube? In the ice Boom. cube. So when they put the ice cube in their soda... Friggin' explodes. In a bit, it explodes. Man. Now I want to try that, actually. I just want to do <laughs> well, that. Well, it's your favorite holiday, man. You know, you know, really, that doesn't have to be done on April Fool's that Day. That can really go You know how day. they say you don't need Valentine's Day to love your spouse or yep. the people you love? You don't need April Fool's Day to bomb somebody's soda with a Mentos. Exactly. That can be just a regular Friday. Yeah, that can. Yeah, exactly. That, we call, we know, call that Friday. Yeah, that's just, you know, we, exactly. Listen so. to this one. A waitress working at Hooters was promised a car. Jody Berry, a 27-year-old Hooters server in Florida, had every reason to believe she'd won a car in 2001. The restaurant owners held a contest for their staff, offering a new Toyota automobile to the server who sold the most beer. When the moment of truth came for Barry and she was blindfolded and taken to a parking lot to receive her prize, she was actually given a Yoda doll. Get it? Toyota? 
It's funny because they kind of sound alike. Oh, boy. That the whole contest was supposed to be an April Fool's didn't joke. probably go well. Barry was not amused. She hired a lawyer and successfully sued the restaurant. Mostly because it's a bad joke. For damages. <laughs> All she wanted, her lawyer explained, was enough money so she could pick out whatever type of Toyota she wants. Well, that's, that's it. what she got. That's all she wanted. That's all she wanted. That's pretty Hey, good. she worked at Hooters. She deserved it, I'm sure. So here's one. This is actually pretty good. So you know the uh, Glade and Febreze and those uh, aer- aerosol fresheners? Yeah. yeah. Well, if you can actually take the wrapper off it. Okay, you can. Now, not all of them, but there are ones where you can. Mm-hmm. So if you can take the wrapper off it, this will work. Now, there's actually such a thing, I didn't know this, as shrimp spray. Uh, so you spray your bait, right? So I imagine they probably, it's, it's for fishing oh, so and everything. Yeah, okay. So what you do is you just replace the uh, blade with a shrimp spray. Uh, I don't even know. Could you even get that out of your house? I don't Dear think, Lord. No. That probably like lingers in the paint, oh, man. Oh my <laughs> flood. <laughs> oh, this one's pretty good. So you go get like a little uh, fake snake, you know, mm-hmm. and you stick out just the tip of it at the cabbage at Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of tips, <laughs> probably the time to mention Kate's Man Kate's Cave. Kate's Man Cave, yep. Boy, what are we going to do next week when Kate's Man Cave is no I longer have no a sponsor? Idea. Hopefully, we'll get some cool company like Directional Measurement or something like that. You know, start lobbying. Just uh, <laughs> we want sponsors based on names. We got uh, we can have a lot more fun with it that way. Check this one out: the old suicide gag, right? April Fool. Oh, the old suicide yeah, gag. Nothing says okay. gotcha. Nothing inappropriate about this at all. Nothing, <laughs> nothing at all. Says gotcha like a faux suicide. Okay. Randy Wood from New York State thought he'd have some fun with his ex-wife in 2004 when he staged an elaborate front yard tableau where it appeared that he was hanging from a noose when in actuality he was safely attached to a harness. No harm, no foul, right? Well, shockingly enough, it turns out his ex-wife didn't immediately think, oh, wait, isn't it April Fool's? Maybe I've been fooled. She did what any reasonable person would do, called 911. They sent over ambulances and fire trucks and police cars. His prank was discovered and he ended the night in a jail cell. (laughs) So at what point did he not... Yeah, in the process, the right, planning. Like, it, it, okay. it, it, who gotta showed go, up first? Yeah, I'm going to hang myself in my ex-wife's front yard. Oh, it's his ex-wife? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. It doesn't say here that she was his ex-wife after he did this. He went to his ex-wife's house, set this up in the front yard, and hung himself. Okay, Fake. and I imagine she just called, and then so they were all dispatched at one time. Yeah. And then he probably realized that, <laughs> okay... Wow, boy! That's, what would have been um, even more funny to me is if she just sat there looking out the window, sipped her coffee, and went about the rest of her day. I, I thought she was going to invite her friends over and maybe have a barbecue or a pinata, or something. Oh, that would have been even better. Yeah, but yeah, the thing is, when the the, the hang yourself prank, not cool, that, man. That really only works on Halloween. Yeah, you know, really, it, it doesn't work any other time because it, you know yeah. it just point in case right yeah. here. Case and in point. You know what? I don't know a lot of people that hang themselves more than once, right? So if you screw this up. <laughs> but I mean, that, that's something you expect on Halloween yeah. is what I'm getting at. Well, you, you, could, you could get away with it at Halloween a little bit better. This is just malicious, man. Speaking of getting away or Halloween, so here's a great one that I find very funny, but somebody might not. So it's called Leave a Surprise for Whoever Redoes the Carpet. 
Okay, so when you rip the carpet up Oof. in red paint, you write "Get out" and then <laughs> put a couple out. handprints with <laughs> sliding, you know, whatever right. on there. So it's like the you know, <laughs> "We'll be back," you know, type of a thing. So that's actually pretty good. That you know, I've heard that uh, that if there's been a murder in a house, it has to, it has to be disclosed forever. Yeah, I heard in that the too. history of that house, yeah. and that and that if somebody doesn't disclose it, even if it wasn't disclosed to them, they can be potentially liable for it. So imagine the kind of headaches you could cause. Oh. That's like spray painting Earth first on a propane tank, man. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. So here's another good one that's kind of fun: is um, paint. Soap with clear nail polish and leave it in the shower. <laughs> now, have you ever done the, the Kool-Aid one? Uh, no. So uh, you, you take off the shower head. Okay. Okay, and then you put in Kool-Aid. Oh, like a packet of it? Like, yeah, and you, you, you put it in there right. and then you put the shower the crystals back on. and then it's all. So then they get just orange or red oh or blue. God. I'm going to have to try that. For a while. I'm going to have to try until that. Until it leaches out yeah. or until it dilutes out. Yeah. And so, I'm yeah, sure you get a good scream first, though. Oh, you get somebody. Yeah. You know, people just, for some reason, I don't know why, but I seem to date women that don't like to be bothered in the shower. Oh, that's shocking. They, Dude, they that's a private moment. They, they don't yeah. like when you flush the toilet. They don't like when you put a cold glass of water, water over it. Over it. Yeah. They don't like when you join them. All right. kinds of things. When you put a stick of camera in there. Yeah. it's. But Kate's Man Caves does have great products for your shower. They've got great hygiene products. That's why I was introduced to Kate's Man Cave because... They have, of course, toys for the boudoir. Sure. But they also, also have, hygiene have some products. hygiene products, which so. are very important. One leads to the other, you might say. Not even sure how we got on that category. I'm not sure where you went there. We're in the play hard portion <laughs> of the program. So, okay. So, do you got any more? Or what, how, no, how that was pretty here? much my list right that there. That was your list? Okay. Yeah. We better end with one more then. Let me kind of go down the. We got uh, boy Mentos is like every other one. Oh, here's one: the chicken s- soup shower. So basically, instead what? of Kool Aid, <laughs> they do the chicken bouillon. Oh, nasty! And, and that actually makes more sense than the powder because the, the powder makes it a little difficult. It runs out quicker. Yeah, but the bouillon cube, boy, that lasts for a while. Yeah, it's going to dissolve slowly. Right. And another one that kind of works out a little bit interesting. Okay, and this is the one we're going to end with. Okay, are you ready for I'm this? I'm ready. What do we got? What do we got? All right, this one's in honor of your daughter. Okay. Now, your daughter likes to take M&Ms, you said, and rub them with an onion? That's her plan. Oh, it's her plan. That's her plan. Okay. She's got to unseal a bag, rub them with M&Ms, put them back in. So this one is fantastic because I think, I really think that people will understand that this may be essentially the cruelest, <laughs> most evil thing you could do. See, Frackleberry Hound does not... She knows how evil this is. Yeah, she's all, don't go there. So if you did this in a place of... Imagine your public office. Mm -hmm. Imagine Halliburton. Imagine Oxy. Imagine... I'm glad I don't work in an office anymore. Okay, so you walk into a public office Mm -hmm. and there's a bowl of candy. Pretty common, right? Yeah, so you have banks and things like that all the time. And I I get it. This is probably going to work better in the pre-COVID Oh, yeah. Because now everything's individually hermetically anything. sealed. Yeah. But it was pretty common to walk in and see, you know, kind of an open bowl, mm-hmm. which used to be a hundred years ago, hard candy. Mm. Well, we've evolved to M&M's. Sometimes you had Skittles, right? Oh, man. Okay. Or Reese's. You know what I'm talking about? I love Reese's. That's what this person did. Hmm. 
this person put a bowl of Skittles, M&Ms, and Reese's in the same bowl. Ha! (laughs) This note was left behind. Okay. (laughs) Whoever you are who did this has no soul, (laughs) and I hope you are happy with yourself. (laughs) It's just wrong, and you should be ashamed. That is the worst April Fool prank I've ever heard in my life. Nothing worse. It's kind of like the first time I had the Jelly Belly uh, popcorn. I expected the crunch. I got a chew. Ew. I expected something buttery, and it was sugary. It was one of the worst experiences I've had eating anything in my life. Yeah. Okay? Is that, and a lot of people like them. I cannot stand you know, the Jelly Belly yeah, uh, popcorn. There's certain ones. lines you don't go past, right? Like, yeah, okay, you can fake a suicide, but you don't screw with M and M's or Skittles or Reese's. Hey, Laffy Taffy, if I wanted to drink Lemon Pet Pledge, I drink Lemon Pledge. Don't try to pass off that lemon flavored taffy, <laughs> pal. I think it's the same company. Oh, it's just, right. I mean, there's some of those things that are just so bad, but this. Could you imagine trying to sift through and try to figure out which one was a Skittles, which one was a, which one was an M and M, and which one was a Reese's? Because that is three distinct, different textures, flavors, and every. That's like that shot when you turn twenty-one, where you put in the the milk and the, and oh, the whatever it turns oh, into white Russian turns into cottage cheese in your mouth. The oh, cement mixer. That's what it's nasty. called. The cement mixer. Nasty. Ooh. Yeah. All right, I gotta go clean myself out <laughs> I here. I need folks. a shower oh, now. All right, I gotta go play an April Fool's prank on myself. <laughs> Drop a Steve Ducey, maybe. All right, folks, we'll be back here at the Play Hard, Work Hard Martin Show. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000, when Fargo native Mike Marcel, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Kate's Man Cave. 
and how Kate has improved my mind, body, and my soul. Kate's Man Cave uses the latest in sexual health education, high-quality hygiene products, and the hottest, and I do mean hottest, accessories from Pure Romance. Kate's Man Cave has enhanced my life more than I could ever imagine. Kate's Man Cave has quality products for my bath and shower, as well as my overall wellness. But between you and me, and anyone else listening, they also have products for my bedroom and my boudoir. It takes a real man to enter Kate's Man Cave, so if you're a real man, or you want to turn your boy into a man, then check out Kate's Man Cave today. That's Kate's Man Cave. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. You're my pineapple, baby, let me be your mango man. You're my pineapple, baby, let me be your mango man. Welcome back to the Play Hard, Work Hard Morning Show. My name is Jason Spies. That is Sterling. We're going to do some news, rumors, and news speak in just a moment or two. But first... Wanted to carry over a little bit on the April Fool's talk. Yeah, you found some history for us. Yeah, it's April Fool's Day today, and I, of course, know my history from The Simpsons. Like 90%, it's it's much like I know my biology from Gorilla Monsoon. From pro, pro wrestling, pro re- yeah, that's, that's where you, I got most of my anatomy. Man, could you imagine that guy's a science teacher? So, actually, I think I had him <laughs> under a different name, a pseudonym. And so, The Simpsons. When they did their April Fool's show, their flashback was to the pagans, right? So the day of the pagans. Where it came from. And the Simpsons were the pagans, and the Christians were the uh, Flanders, Flanders family. That's right. Makes sense. And there was a thing where they were worshiping around circles, this this, this god, Mm -hmm. okay? The pagan stone god or whatever, some megalith. And so the uh, Flanders did a joke. Can't remember what the joke was, but uh, it was—I think it was the spring can of nuts mm-hmm. with the snakes. Oh, yeah, it was something like that. Right. Well, in the next scene, the Simpsons, the pagans, got upset at the Christians, and so they burned them at the stake while they were going in circles. Bum, now bum, who's bum, bum, laughing? Bum. Now who's laughing? That's right. They were missionaries, uh, the Flanders. I well, yeah, think. Whatever, yep, yep. whatever they were from the 15th century, <laughs> yep. 16th century. Spreading the good word. So according to History.com, this is what's really funny. Some historians speculate, and keep in mind, the Simpsons was historically accurate in so many ways that they've predicted the future like a dozen times. They're the 20th and 21st century Nostradamus. Okay. Right, really are. So some historians speculate that April Fool's Day dates back to 1582 when France switched from the Julian calendar Julian. to the Gregorian calendar, oh, yeah, man, oh, as day, called I... for by the Council of Trent in 1563. In the Julian calendar, as in the Hindu calendar, the new year began with the spring equinox around April 1st. People who were slow to get the news or the failed recognition of the start of the new calendar, the Gregorian calendar, okay, which had moved to January 1st, those people who continued to celebrate their old pagan ways were made the butt of jokes and hoaxes. These pranks often including having paper fish placed on their backs, <laughs> said to symbolize a young, easily caught fish and gullible person. This is like the first trolling. 
The not first, the first, but but uh, and uh, like the first kick me sign almost. This, yeah, this is early day yeah. kick me sign, early day trolling. Man. I mean, you take away the internet, and this is the same thing. It's kind of funny to think that throughout history, we've always pretty much been the same type of people. You know, the same type of humor, the same type of snark. It's just been in different contexts. Exactly. There ain't nothing new under the sun, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's hilarious, man. I had no idea where it came from. So apparently that's where it came from, is the uh, ushering into the new calendar, the Gregorians. Gregorians. Sounds like the, uh, you know, like monk chants or Would something. make fun of the Julians by putting paper fishes on their backs. But and it was, and the paper fish, of course, was Christianity. Right. And it was the pagans. That's where the Simpsons reference came from with the Flanders and uh, the Simpsons. And the Simpsons. Uh, brilliant. Absolutely Boom. brilliant. And before Simpsons, you know it, we had the Inquisition. Simpsons continues to just blow my mind. Yeah. So, all right, let's do some news, rumors, and news speak. All right, so this is from nsenergybusiness.com talking about carbon pricing. Carbon pricing plans could transform upstream oil and gas economics, says analysts. So only a few countries currently require producers to pay a carbon tax or participate. Hang on here. We're still in could. I think I think they, they will. <laughs> and I think they... No, I do. I, no, think, I, I, I think, No, you're right. I think journalistically, you, there's enough evidence now to where API is coming out talking about a carbon pricing conversation that we are now in the we, this is the new normal. Yeah. This is this is where we're at. It, it is. It's it's still kind of striking, you know, we're 3 months in, yeah. 4 months in and uh, it's it's already it's sort of done. Now, will there be an ESG score? Now, that's a will there be. Yeah. Will there be a climate score? That's, you know, will uh, that type of thing, climate ranking, you know. Mm-hmm. If are you in the green climate, orange climate, like how they have burn bands? Right. Hey, this we're in we're in the taupe color right now, so we're you know you could have one log burn a day. Um, you know, to me that's the speculation. It's interesting that the business one is um, still speculating. But go on, go on. Well, no, yeah, and maybe they're just trying to sort of hedge their bets a little bit. But oh, um, I'm sure they are. Yeah, and I probably would have done the same thing. <laughs> well, if I was an editor, I mean, this sounds like a legit publication. So there's probably an editorial process that even somewhat goes through. So. You know, and this this is actually another kind of one of those regurgitations, oh, right? It is. Because okay. well, no, just because the original uh, article that that I came across was sort of behind a paywall, mm. right? So I went and found this information for free. Anytime you regurgitate, you always ask a question because you don't know, right? You don't know, but. If you do know, generally, you don't put a question in the headline. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. See, yeah. you're putting your journalist hat on again. I know. Well, well, that's the way I was, you know, bred and born. So. <laughs> so what they're talking about here is, again, that only a few countries really require a carbon tax or participate in this trading at this point, what's called ETS, Emissions Trading Scheme. By like the way, scheme. this blueberry mint kombucha. Kombucha. Boy, that's really good. He's very focused this Two morning, folks. Two billion probiotics. Really? Your I'm liver's very just conscious gonna ex- of my probiotics Dude, your, your liver's going to explode with happiness. Well, when I had C. diff, you know, C. diff is uh, evil probiotics. So they're the conbiotics. So essentially, the all the good that probiotics do mm-hmm. for you, um, the C. diff, which is highly contagious and highly fatal, is basically the evil probiotics, so whatever they're called. So is there a chance that if set long enough unopened, it'll turn from good to bad? 
I have absolutely no so idea. So many cultures. I think we should do a study. Grab a can. Let's leave it there for a year or two. We'll open it up and we'll have somebody drink it. Ever since, um, you know, pro and con, right? Mm-hmm. So probiotics, I always, my mind, my Libra mind always goes to conbiotics. Okay. So you always and, look for the opposite. And the, the part I love, the joke I constantly love that I play on myself because of that Libra mind of mine is whenever I see the word progress, mm-hmm. Congress. So whenever I see the word Congress, the opposite is progress. Wow, man. We should play some more word Isn't association. Yeah, clearly. You're Have you head, ever thought of that? I, not in that way, but yeah. Okay, so the opposite of Congress is progress. Is progress. And the opposite of progress <laughs> is, is Congress. Congress. <laughs> All right, let's get back to the news story. Man, mind blown. I don't even you, know if I can go back. You see back what at this, this kombucha has done to me? I think they should be a sponsor because you just sold me on this stuff. <laughs> blew my mind at the kombucha. <laughs> My so hip, what they're talking about is as governments seek to meet these decarbonation targets that we're talking about, that uh, carbon changes are likely to come. They believe it'll transform the upstream sector, uh, affecting both asset values and industry economics. So, so far, we're two paragraphs in. I really still don't know what they're talking about. Governments have two options for imposing carbon charges on upstream operations, says Graham Kellis, Wood McKenzie, Senior Vice President of Global Finance fiscal research. I they fell can, asleep during that title. Man, they can either levy a carbon tax, which is where a fixed tax rate is applied to all carbon dioxide emissions, or implement the ETS, which is the emissions trading scheme. Under both schemes, the financial impact on specific projects can potentially be mitigated by an emissions allowance. Who's saying this? You want me to say his name again? Um, Graham Kellis, no, Wood McKenzie, senior, or this is uh, Wood McKenzie, Senior Vice President of Global Fiscal Research. Okay, so what alarms me is that they're they're giving choices. Okay, mm-hmm. so this is another example that the conversation's over. It's done. The carbon pricing, the carbon tax is here because oh, yeah. now they're giving choices on how to implement it. Implement it. Yeah. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, go on. Well, and that's what it says, like, because they're saying that the um, more than 60 carbon charge regimes currently exist at international, national, and subnational levels, but very few affect major oil and gas producing areas at a rate above $20 per ton of carbon pricing, according to the analysis. They talk about Norway being a standout country for upstream carbon changes because um, they've levied, they levied a CO2 tax back in 1991. It's kind of interesting. Didn't know they'd been in it that long. North America's first carbon tax for large oil and gas producers was established by the Canadian province of Alberta in 2007. So yeah, you see this steady march towards it. Canadian government's announcing a carbon tax rate that would rise to the equivalent of about $135 per ton by 2030. And in the U.S., the green agenda by Joe Biden is making carbon charges for upstream operations far more likely, is what Wood McKenzie is saying. So again, no real news here. They're just talking again about there's going to be choices, sort of. This kombucha comes out of Bend, Oregon. Certified organic by Oregon Tilth. What's a Tilth? Is that a, like T-I-L-T-H. a kosher thing? T-I-L-T-H. I don't know. So, right, right. There, it says, what is an Oregon Tilth? By Oregon Tilth. I don't know. You know, I know Oregon has, at least they used to have, kind of some antiquated, 
Actually, I think they changed it, but it used to be if you went to Oregon to a gas station, you couldn't fill it up yourself. It was all service. Their slogan for this particular brand of kombucha, bubbles with benefits. <laughs> bubbles with, with benefits. benefits. Interesting. I should. Sounds uh, like a product you might be able to find on Kate's Man Cave. I was just thinking the same thing. Hopefully they have somebody named Bubbles that will... Bubbles with benefits? Come by and bring the benefits. Hey, if I can yeah. get fulfillment and two billion probiotic cultures all at once, I consider that money you, well spent. I mean, you really got to respect a can that has to put on there. I assume they do because there's, there's two little asterisks by there that says verified non-alcoholic. Okay. How do they do that? Do they do they give that to an alcoholic and see what happens? <laughs> see, if he, see if he transforms. Yeah, does he like, like Bar- it? Yeah, like, like Barney. Barney did on the <laughs> All of a sudden become articulate and everything. <laughs> so so uh, this uh, can of kombucha mm-hmm. was more interesting than that news story. I am completely in agreement and ready to move <laughs> Let's on. Let's go to the in next fact, one. I think you should cut out everything except the kombucha. <laughs> All right, here's one for you, because this is one of your favorite ballywigs here. It's so here. good, we don't even have to pronounce it right. <laughs> the kamuchka. The kamuchka. Okay. So this, this is from okay, the caller. that mispronounces things. Let's read the next news story. <laughs> Colorado that's, Sun. That's funny. Okay, go on. Colorado give local the, governments um, more the power. The newspaper, the heavenly body, or the um, offspring. <laughs> this is the heavenly body, I believe. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, this came down on a tablet this morning. The Colorado Sun. Okay, this is the newspaper, right? This is the newspaper, but it's on the internet. Ah. With me now? I am. (laughs) Okay, empowered by new state law and regulations, towns, cities, and counties across the Front Range are flexing their muscle, moving to regulate oil and gas operations that come to town. Look at that writing. Boom! Flexing the muscle. Two years ago this month, sweeping legislation was signed into law reorientating Colorado's approach to regulating oil and gas development. Flexing the muscle. That in turn led to a complete overhaul of the state's drilling rules. Those new regulations went into effect January 15th. This guy should write for the WWE. I'm feeling excited in my chest right now. That could be the coffee. So what's the story about again? So they're talking about Senate Bill 181. Still. The new rules have touched off a cascade of action as more than a dozen local governments moved to update and strengthen local control, something they had been blocked from doing before. Boom. Yeah, yeah this was uh, um, to give the locals control, and that was going to be a way to help the oil and gas industry in a lot of ways. You would have thought so, because it would give that, people that, that was like, the intention. like in Weld County, right? Yeah. So that way they didn't have to succeed and go to Wyoming. Become the Wang of Wyoming. Right. And much like Florida is to America. Yeah, so it's, <laughs> in, in Italy is a boot to some. The boot. Doesn't mean that it is to everybody else. Sure. Europe's Wang. Depends right? on how you look at the map, right? And, um, well, that's a different story. Uh, so, okay. So what else is going on in this story? Keep so, going. So just, just for reference, so until this bill, Senate Bill 181, had passed, local governments were blocked from enacting comprehensive oil and gas rules as the state asserted primacy, primacy over the regulating industry. New law changed that, making the goal of state regulation the protection of public health, safety, and welfare, as well as wildlife and the environment. It also clearly said local governments have the right to oversee oil and gas developments. It's a, it is a sea change in concept, a total reset of the way oil and gas operates in Colorado, said Casey Becker, 
former Speaker of the House of Representatives and a sponsor of the bill. Mm-hmm. There's an interesting example of uh, to understand the difference between the before and after of the Senate Bill 181. Consider the stories of uh, Thorntonton and Boulder County. That's where they had the setbacks. Yeah, so yeah, yeah 2017, Thornton tried to establish a 750, 750-foot setback of wells from homes. I think the state was 500? Yeah, the state okay. was 500, yeah. The Colorado Oil and Gas Association and API Colorado, the state's two major industry trade groups, sued, and a district ju- court judge threw out the setback and flow line rules. But in December, Boulder County adopted a new oil and gas ordinance with a 2,500-foot setback. 500 feet more than the state's new standard and a requirement that abandoned flow lines must be dug up and removed. So thanks to the Senate bill, there aren't ready grounds for a lawsuit by the industry. Wow. Interesting. Well, you know, I mean, it makes sense to me because there's, there's going to be areas where uh, they're going to make the determination that they want less setback. They want more easy access. And there's going to be places like Boulder that don't. And I don't know, is that a bad thing? I, I'm just curious to see how this is really going to play out in reality, okay? Because mm-hmm. both sides are going to make their claims, okay? One side's going to say it's better for local. It's, and the other side's going to say that, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, co-equal mm-hmm. or whatever, you know. They coexist better this way, and and hopefully they do. Yeah. You know, hopefully they do. But it... We've seen that outside interests can really impact local elections. Oh, absolutely. And local uh, counties and boards in ways that go beyond what people know about. So the Keystone Pipeline protest in North Dakota, the majority of that was from out-of-state people. Mm -hmm. Yet it was, you know, it's North Dakota that's on the hate crime list by the FBI, it's not the out-of-state people, okay? Mm-hmm. So there, there's some of that that goes into this, too, to yeah. where when outside interests have so much power, it's really, it, it, it almost, because they go in to take over the local. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. To where it's kind of like, yeah, it, it's, it's one of those things where it starts in good intentions, mm-hmm. but pretty soon people figure out how to abuse it. Yeah, it's, this is the type of thing that's clearly going to cut both ways. Yeah, um, you're gonna have like the, like those two examples, really. Um, yeah, be curious because they do mention Weld County. They talk about Weld and Garfield, mm-hmm. and uh, they talk about in Weld County. One of the things they're trying to do is is to uh, they created in 2019 the Oil and Gas Energy Department. It's a one stop shop to streamline the permitting process. So they're trying to make the code easier to read and for operators to know how the process through Weld County flows. Says Jason Maxey, the department's director. Yeah, so they're drawing up their own rules. Yeah, I think we'll probably have to get somebody on to talk about this because it, you know I'm I, I I'm not even sure how to interpret this quite yet. Um, I've heard so many different angles and so many different sides, and and I just there's there's too much there for well, me to yeah. You know, I don't understand enough about how the whole process works, but you know, it seems like local communities would be empowered, whether that's good or bad, like you were saying with good intention. Um, because well, in Colorado, well, why would Weld County want to leave? Right. Why would Weld County want to leave 
if something like this was going to be rolled out that would be beneficial to them. Well, I was just going to say, doesn't that sort of cut the legs out from underneath of that argument for becoming the Wang of Wyoming? That's what I'm saying, to where, okay, why, why are so many people upset that work in the oil and gas industry in the communities mm-hmm. if they're going to get local control? Something's not passing the smell fish test here, whatever that is, the sniff the test. The smell fish test? Yes. <laughs> you can usually smell the fish, that's for sure. Well, you know, get the sheriff on about this. The on, sheriff is probably good at smelling and sniff testing and, and you know investigating. Well, I you know I wouldn't be surprised if a year from now we you know this twenty five hundred square or uh, setback in Boulder, you might have a Weld County where there is no setback because they could, or you know there might still be no, a state minimum. No, I don't minimum. think they can. I think there's a state minimum. Yeah, I yeah. think um, I, I think there is a five hundred feet or fifteen hundred. I forget what it is, but there is there is a. So really, this is just opening up the door to add regulation piecemeal on a local level, right? Because that makes the constituents happy. I mean, that's that's local government, right? That's. I looked at it like this, is that if the state's going to have a minimum, mm-hmm. and I think that's the case, that's why we got to get the state senator on to know this, but um, if there's going to be a minimum, the only thing it's doing then is saying, oh, no, we'll just add more of the setbacks on. Mm-hmm. So if Weld County wants to say, hey, we just we, we don't want to have setbacks, well, you got to have at least you this have minimum, minimum right. and you got to have the sound walls mm-hmm. and you got to, you know, basically do the NIMBY, not in my backyard. You right. got to, you know, have jugglers outside distracting right. it from Hide the trucks it. and yep. all that other stuff. And so, right, you got or you like got, they do it in LA where they basically make it look like a building. I, I love that. <laughs> well, just, that, yeah. that I actually get. That's in a city. Yeah, and I, I, I totally understand things that are like in the city, yep. like in the middle of a city. But like in Dickinson, where you've got forty acres of prairie around it before you can get to anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, not as necessary. Not as necessary. Yeah. You know that type of thing. And and but I don't live there. I yeah. don't. You know I don't listen to the chunking and the churning if there is any of it. Yeah, actually that's true. Is it's you know I, I rag on windmills yep. for the humming. That's why on its face I think local control makes a lot of sense because exactly we're not the ones that have to listen to all the trains going by or the wind turbine or whatever. We don't hear that stuff. So yeah, man, I. But I can see how then you'll have places like Boulder County. They're like, yeah, it's got to be six miles back. That's what I mean. When you go to Boulder County, yeah. they'll just do like yeah. um, geosynchronous that, orbit. Oh, they'll do like uh, uh, China did with COVID, make mm. you get like an anal swab. <sighs> That's right. I forgot about that. Right? You want to come to China? You need an anal swab. <sighs> you want to put an oil and gas business here in Boulder County? Go see China. Go see China. What do we got next? (laughs) Actually, you had a third article for us in the oil and gas, I believe. I had one about Bitcoin. Oh. Well, we do Bitcoin. So this this is interesting. This this jumped out of me this morning, and so I had to look it up a little bit. Man downloads wrong app on the Apple App Store, loses $600,000 in Bitcoin. It's a crypto scam. So last month, a man named Felipe Cristalou, sorry, totally butchered your name, picked up his phone, downloaded an app for digital cryptocurrency wallet on the Apple App Store, signed in. Immediately, the scammers who built the app, which was disguised as a reputable crypto storage company, and snuck it onto the App Store, pilfered one or 17.1 of his Bitcoin, which at the time were worth $600,000. Apparently, it's a shockingly common scam on both Apple and Google platforms, and there's very little the platforms seem to be able to do to keep it from happening. 
So it's a bait and switch. Well, it's a it's a pickpocket. Mm-hmm. It's a pickpocket, and the evolution of the pickpocket is quite remarkable. Yeah. Um, from the obvious pick of the pocket, okay, to uh, several years ago, the way I got, well, I see, I got ID fraud mm-hmm. 10, 12 years ago, mm-hmm. and you got to go fill out a month's worth of paperwork yeah, after geez. that. So. Three or four years ago, on the way back from St. Louis, uh, somewhere in Kansas City, uh, I stopped at a gas station, and they had those radar guns that could get your credit card numbers. Oh, yeah. That's so right. So it was during that time. Yep. Well, that's what we kind of narrowed it down to. It was right around President's Day, actually, because it was this, was, this is when I found out um, emergency services don't take cash. Huh. You, you have to have a credit card to rent a hotel. Right. You have to have a credit card to get a wrecker, yep. a, a tow truck. Yep. You have to have a credit card to do anything that is an emergency service. That's true. That's absolutely true. It's it's the most ass backwards thing mm-hmm. ever. But because of President's Day, the banks were closed. Jeez. So you're, you're kind of SOL, which yeah. is shit. Out I of wonder luck. if they would have been happier for you to go to like Walmart and buy a, a Visa, you know, gift card for. 500 bucks and give them that you know that would have I mean, probably worked that's, actually. i mean isn't that that is so asinine though that is that might so have worked freaking backwards boy i wonder why i didn't think anyway hey um, next time you're broke down man i'll be there for you so the story uh, the pickpocketing we got pickpocketed because the reason my credit card didn't work was somebody tried to buy a bunch of tires at home depot and you know i got a bunch of credit card bills happened mm-hmm. after that so that's another form of the pickpocketing yeah absolutely was, was getting this pilfering the uh the numbers. Another one was uh, servers were doing this for a while, where they would write down your credit card number if you had a corporate card. Ha. Okay. So let's say you went out for lunch. Somebody would manually write down your credit card number. Well, then, well, if they knew, you know, so and so was a regular at the yeah, restaurant. Yeah. They'd invite so-and-so's friends in when the server was working. That server then would manually, because there was a time when you could do that. Yeah, just run it right in. You you could just punch in the numbers because the magnetic strip didn't work. And all, you know, the the, the security systems are pretty flimsy. There's always been a way. It's just easier now, I think. Well, yeah. And, of course, it worked on the Coke and, you know, American Express, the big cor- big mm-hmm. corporations where the, the what's another $150 dinner out of nowhere, right? right? Yeah. Well, these servers, what they were doing is their friends would come in and they'd eat 80 bucks worth of stuff and they'd tip 70. Right. So the nice. servers are basically pulling a scam to get $100 tips, you know, and you know, things it's funny, like that. It probably shows up. The business probably only realizes it when they're like, who only spent 150 bucks at lunch? <laughs> the hell? <laughs> what are you doing to our clients? I don't remember being there that night. Yeah. How drunk were yeah, we? Yeah, come on. That's not even our beer tab, man. But I suppose, could you imagine all the different expense accounts coming in? And um, where, I knew, where I found out about it was Irvine, California. Huh. And Irvine, California, uh, Texas Instruments. And mm-hmm. Irvine, the, the police go home at 5. Oh. You know what I mean? It's, it's day, one man. of those communities yeah. where... But like Beverly Hills Cop, you okay. know, the, the, the escort service. Right. At the, this is the nicest police car yeah, I've ever been, ever been in. in. You know? <laughs> I ordered a pizza, if you don't mind. You know, right, the jail there's, a, cell. there's a phone in the cell. <laughs> That's what Irvine, California yep. is. They're the uh, Ant Eaters, I believe. Ant Eaters. That's my, the name of their... Their college. Oh, that's a... Now, that can't possibly offend anyone. 
right? I don't know. Somebody with the long nose, maybe. Who knows? I'm going to put a, put a pin on that one. Well, 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 we'll find out. Wasn't there an anteater in uh, Pink Panther? Is Pink Panther around anymore, or did the uh, insulation wow. take over? Jeez, now I am... No. Right? Pink no, Panther? Yeah, right? Pink Panther insulation. There, there was, yeah. a, there was yeah. an anteater that he would feud with. Oh, see, I don't remember that at all. And wow. I do believe that there's a brand of insulation... There is a brand of... I've seen it. That yeah. probably has taken over the Pink Panther's identity in the same way Frosted Flakes and Tony the Tiger are of, are together. Of any kind of flakes. So... Man, helpful okay. if you guys are playing uh, Trivia Pursuit tonight. Some little factoids for you. Getting to the modern day of pickpocketing, I never thought about if you download some sort of app that there could be... What from China? I guess what they do it they, like like is this like Ocean's Thirteen where they got to go to the manufacturer to put the uh, metallic uh, items in no. the dice? No. In this case, the thieves submitted their app under the guise of it being an encryption service, and then once it was approved, changed it into an imitation of the crypto hardware wallet developer Trezor, which doesn't have an app of its own. Apple screwed us. Uh, apparently pays close attention to the apps when they're submitted, but doesn't have a way to track apps that totally change face once they're live, which is interesting. Oh, no, there's ways to get things by robots, too. Sure. You got to realize a lot of this is, uh, you know, first approved by a robot because when your website gets approved in an hour, there ain't anybody looking at that. No. No, that's just that's doing the quick scan yeah. over. Okay, right. no naked women. Yeah, they're making no, sure no, there's no, no like fecal play on no, the front page committing or suicide yeah. or dying or anything like yeah. that. There's no big f bombs or anything like that. That's just all it is. Mm-hmm. And then there probably later is someone doing an actual eyeball test, like yeah. a quality control. Probably a second round that could take six months. I was going to say that could be months or yeah. a year or Who something knows? afterwards. Yeah. My guess is something like that. But anyway, that's interesting. I, I never even thought of uh, that form of pickpocketing, that that would exist out there. And they're doing it with Bitcoin, huh? Well, and that's that's the whole new phase of it for me is the cryptocurrencies and the, the difficulty of... I mean, they're so abstract to begin with that well, it's... there's people when you forget your passport, they lo- the password, they lost it forever, right? Yeah. Until they... Well, and, even then, they get only uh, so many a, attempts. There, there, yeah, there was a there was a guy just recently that he had. What was it? He'd thrown it away. He'd thrown away something that had his password, maybe a phone or something. He's like digging through trash pits because yeah. he had like a million dollars in Bitcoin. Yeah, it's like the lottery ticket you threw away. Yeah, yeah. that's woo. Interesting enough, I've heard that almost twenty percent of winning lottery tickets from the you know two dollars all the way up to the big ones get lost. I have. Two dozen lottery tickets from that last 300, 500, uh, when, when you could pick the Musk money or the uh, yeah, Bezos right. money. Yeah, it was, it was take your pick yeah, of billions. When, yeah, when they were both that. Yeah. So I bought, um, I think, a dozen of each. Mm-hmm. Okay. You checked them, right? It was 20, 20 bucks of each, whatever okay. that bought me. Okay. And um, I had no, I haven't checked them yet. No. <laughs> they I do expire at some point. Yeah, I got, I, yeah, I was supposed to, we were, I was going to go on a date and we were going to check them together and then the date never happened and so I forgot so it. So you I, may have a winning ticket. Of some kind, of some kind of like twenty bucks or a hundred bucks or a thousand bucks. thousand bucks. I know it's not the the yeah. the main event. Yeah, somebody I do in know Michigan that. or somebody won that one. Well, the one news story that I I wanted to talk about, and so and but it didn't make the list, which is cool, is uh, <laughs> was uh, Vicky Hullab, okay, from Occidental from Petroleum. Occidental, yeah. 
So her transcript and her interview, of course, is still making mm-hmm. the impact through the media waves. And I, I just want to go back to, you know, we just finished the Women's History Month. Yep. Okay, so when I actually kind of went back and listened to a lot of these interviews and interviewed a lot of these women for the first time and really got a handle on how much women have changed the industry, especially when it comes, like I pointed out um, to myself, it's the intuition and their point of view that I think the energy industry is going to benefit from the most. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I, yeah. They, they might be better with certain skill set and, and et cetera along those lines. But I think the intangibles that just the, the men cannot bring because of <laughs> testosterone versus estrogen, right? Maybe, yeah. I, 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 th- not a I think th- that's going to be the big part of it. Well, everyone we've talked to has had an incredible amount of motivation. You can just hear it in them. Yeah. And, and, when you look at the way the oil and gas industry has become diverse with careers, mm-hmm. so it's opened up more females into the workplace through that too. But where I'm going with this is that I, I think it's, it's safe to say again that we're here, okay, that, that women are now in, in a place of influence. Mm-hmm. Now, are we... To the goal line yet? No. Right, no. right, yeah. But I do think we're past the 50-yard line, finally. I'm hoping, yeah, like the tipping point, well, where it's, I, we're going to start to see it as more the norm. I think when all of a sudden we're having a transition, mm-hmm. okay, when we're having a transition that is being led by, and let's be honest here, it's being led by the energy secretary, mm-hmm. probably AOC to a certain amount. What's her name? Cortez? Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your first name? Antonio? Alex- uh, Alexandria. Alexandria. Okay. Yeah. Uh, everyone just calls her AOC. Yeah. And I don't know what the O stands for. Octavio? No, I think it's Ocario. Thank you. I think See, so. I think so. I th- this is what happens when you don't read the news. Right. Well, and you just hear people become acronyms, you know? So, but but she's she's a big part of the, the leadership movement. Mm-hmm. Greta Thunberg, to a certain point, is sure. a huge part of the, the youth movement. Mm-hmm. So you've got the energy secretary, female. You've got the CEO of Occidental, who's kind of taken the leadership role. Yeah, with the carbon with capture. With the oil and gas company. Yeah. Now, Mike Summers is doing it for the API. What that represents organizations and a lobbyist group. But the actual, really the only company that I've seen come forward is Occidental. They seem to be sort of seizing that narrative. They do, don't they? Yeah. And so they're doing with with the CEO, Vicki Hullup, right? Yeah. So you've got the energy secretary, Grisham, right? Yeah. And you've got the CEO of Occidental. You've got AOC from mm. the, the world of, of politics. And p- before, it was Elizabeth Warren to mm-hmm. a certain degree, but She's Bernie still Sanders, there, but yeah. where they were kind of sharing it together. But I would say AOC is, is, is the Green New Deal side by side now. Definitely a driving force. And, yeah. and if, you, if you went out to 10 people, I would say seven out of the 10 easily would, come out, would put those two together oh, in the same way that Greta, Greta Thunberg would be with the youth movement. Yeah, and interestingly, those same people would be positive and negative for it. You yeah, know and, I mean? and again, I'm not trying to promote it or despise it or do anything. I'm just trying to point it out yeah. that that is for women. Yeah, we're talking about very influential women. women of arguably the most powerful in those positions yeah. for that movement to happen. So I think we're even past the 50, maybe to the 60 yard line. So again, we got ways to goes. Okay. We got ways to goes, 
you know, uh, there's there's still a lot of women out there that are going to have their voice heard and stop reflecting the voice of a man. Right. There's a lot of people going through that internal battle. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know I did that. <laughs> you know, I want I I, I define my own voice as a man. Yeah. I did. I totally did. You know, I mean, and there was other men I was influenced by that I didn't agree with, but it was their world I was living in. Yeah. Well, so, and as a single dad, that's a whole other challenge. You and know? that's why Absolutely. we used to I, we used to always joke: got to be the dad, got to be the mom. Yeah, you got to wear all the hats, basically. When or, you're planning a birthday party by yourself for a seven year old boy, <sighs> yeah, yeah. You're 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 wearing yeah. way more hats than you care to, you know. You're you actually care uh-huh. about balloon color. Yeah, you know. Yeah. You actually care about <laughs> cake and frosting. And you're freaking out because the clown's late. You know. You, you, you got to relate and find out why transformers aren't cool anymore. Yeah, right. You know. Yeah, yeah. Because you see them everywhere, but they're not cool like when you were a kid. So all kinds of stuff. But we went way over on time here. But I just wanted to point that out. That I think that's a positive. I do too. And when you take a look at these leadership roles that are really either ushering in, transitioning in, or at least just making the conversation happen. The conversation's being led by women for the most part. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I really do. So there you go, folks. There's your Thursday, and that is not an April Fool's. Not an April Fool's. Have a good one. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. Well, she wants to live a life and happiness nonstop. The Crude Life with Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. If you want to look at America, you go to Permian and the Bakken, and, and that's what America should be, united as one. And that's exactly what we are. And, and then, you know, that's what I love about the oil and gas industry. One county in Kansas, one single county, produced 9% of the world's oil. That was oil that won World War One, As the British said from the floor of Parliament, the Allies floated to victory on a sea of oil. Works picked up here in the Permian Basin. Yeah, leadership really needs to take a look at how we've been doing things and constantly make changes in how we can do things better. Commodities are always, 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 any commodity business, whether it's milk or whether it's oil or whether it's apples, they always are boom or bust because the solution to low prices is high prices, the solution to high prices is, you know, is high prices. It's a big issue. You know, it's kind of red riding hood syndrome here. People making out the industry to be the big bad wolf. And on top of that, you know, you would get a nice increase in pay, as I'm sure most of us all know, when you move to oil field areas, you get a, a nice little bump in pay. After him and I having five margaritas over at the Cork and Pig, I called my boyfriend and I was like, hey, do you want to move to Texas? 
And he was like, yeah, when, when are we moving? <laughs> and honestly, we moved about a month after that. This oil and gas industry, I've met some of the best people I've ever met in my life doing this. Play hard, work hard. Now let's work hard. Ashley McNamee, Alvarez Marcel. Thank you for joining the program here today. We're all month long. We're going to be doing uh, ESG, environmentally friendly, environmental innovation, industrial integrity as well when it comes to the world of oil and gas and energy and just the whole, I guess, energy gamut, if you will. Uh, Ashley McNamee is our guest today. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent, and thank you for joining the program here today. Before we get into you know the the eco world and the investments and when it comes to the, just this whole new uh, approach to energy, uh, we're sunsetting, if you will, because technically we are still in March as we're recording this, even though it's going to air in April in a couple days. Uh, <laughs> we're we're finishing up Women's History Month. And you're a female, and you've worked in the oil and gas industry now for about 10 years, 10, 12 years? Uh, no, it's been about seven or eight. Oh, yeah. seven or eight. Okay, but you came from media. So, yeah, after uh, 10 years. Yeah, <laughs> I, the, the reason I wanted to bring, it in, bring that up is that technically you've kind of blazed the, the trail a little bit because media, you were technically a trailblazer when it came to females being in the, a news anchor and just – solidifying that role in television and then also in the world of of oil and gas i think personally any woman working in oil and gas right now is writing history as we speak because traditionally there's only been just a handful so as we define the new world of energy right now boy it's there's all kinds of females just carving their own path in the world of energy so uh, with your background in media and your background in energy, talk to me a little bit about just females, their contributions, and how you view uh, women when it comes to industry. Sure. Yeah, oil and gas has always been so unique. And one thing I do appreciate about it, although I do have a college degree, is it's still one of the um, industries and fields where I think how hard you work determines how well you do. Um, so you are starting to see, um, actually over the last probably five to 10 years, folks from really diverse backgrounds being brought into the industry. So whether it's a tech background or finance, or in my case, media and journalism, um, the diversity of knowledge that's come into the industry, I think is really is what helped change, um, like significant parts of it. Um, so for instance, when I left news to come join Whiting Petroleum back in 2014, uh, the impetus for that was the ballot initiatives in Colorado that were trying to begin, you know, um, setbacks and sort of de facto regulations on the oil and gas industry. And the company's idea was to get someone from the media to do for industry what the media had been doing against it. And so um, came into Whiting and there really wasn't a lot of infrastructure in terms of internal and external communications, community relations, and then eventually what turned into ESG. So uh, I guess to your point, when it didn't exist, it was pretty um, okay to come in. And the leadership, our CEO at the time, Jim Volker, was very minded and really let us run with it, build an entire department around those things. And uh, today it's not only an entire department, it's an entire career. And now I'm doing ESG full time for Alvarez and Marsal. So it is evolving daily, um, but yeah, there's definitely opportunities for not only all genders, but definitely um, all backgrounds, I think, in our industry today. ESG, environmental social governance, uh, just a very quick definition of what that is for energy companies out there that might be 
listening and have heard that term and maybe even kind of know what it is a little bit, but what's the uh, short version of what it is? Yeah, so ESG, as you said, stands for Environmental, Social, and Governance, and the real crux of it is around disclosures. So it started probably 10 years ago, meaningfully, where investors and different groups, perhaps from the left or the environmental side, uh, were encouraging and requesting more information from any public company in terms of how their operations or company impacts both the environment society and or how their governance structures um, play a part in that. So, um, yeah, ESG is basically disclosing your performance in those areas. And as it's evolved, it's becoming more formalized. There are frameworks to put them through and um, potentially even regulation coming in terms of what ESG will look like and how you will disclose in what metrics. For me, it's been interesting to watch Meridian Energy Group with the refinery out there come at it from a uh, science side, um, from the bending of pipes to the uh, uh, different coatings that can come on to the automatic sensors. So there's a whole, you know, there's a science side to this ESG part. And, but there's also, you know, the public relations side of things too. And I wanted to start with that before we get into maybe some of the science side of things. Uh, to me, I think it's a whole different ball game that the energy industry has not quite grasped yet in terms of what they're dealing with. You've got a media background a little bit, and you and I have talked a little bit about the 5,000-foot view when it comes to that kind of existential uh, public relations and energy. Uh, talk to me about how the awareness and the transparency in the public relations folds into this whole ESG, whether it's from an investment standpoint, a shareholder standpoint, or just regulation standpoint. Sure. So actually, you are on the money. Uh, back in 2014 and 15, when we first started approaching our management team at Whiting, our reasoning for wanting to engage in ESG is that we had great stories to tell. And we were looking around and starting to see you know, the tech sector and even some of the larger oil and gas companies engage in ESG, or back then we even called it sustainability reporting. And as we were looking at it, it was like, well, we have stories that are as or better than that, so why don't we start to tell ours as well? And it really has worked to our advantage. Um, the industry, as we all know, it's no big secret, has not been great at public relations or promoting all the good work it's done for decades. And so it is a little bit of a catch-up game, but the, the truth of the matter is there are so many good things happening. And the industry, as it has done with hydraulic fracturing and other things, is so innovative and it will continue to fix its own problems. So if you look at society today, you say climate change, carbon, methane emissions, all of these big themes uh, are really what the public is focused in on when it, term, uh, when it comes to oil and gas. And you already have the majors who for years now have been developing their own carbon capture technology. Uh, we didn't know about it until very recently necessarily, but the fact that they're already out of that and innovating is just another good example of how the always comes to its own rescue and it will fix its own problems basically so um, the public relations piece is certainly um, a big opportunity within ESG 
but certainly stakeholder relations and investor relations is the other big piece. So at Whiting, when we started publishing um, information on our website at first, we spoke with our investors and they really wanted an actual formalized ESG report, uh, one that they could download and keep on their desk and reference as they were covering the company. And so we were able to provide that for several years and the feedback we received from our investors was overwhelmingly positive. They were just happy that we were being transparent, happy that we were engaging in these disclosures. And uh, really, no negative criticism came from our you know, foray in ESG and our attempt again to be more open. You mentioned the word transparency, and that was the next question, where really, you know, a lot of people were very concerned about ESG. They were scared of ESG. Some people are still resisting ESG. When really, at the end of the day, if you're a responsible company, in my opinion, all they're asking for really is just a little bit of transparency. Meaning that, you know, if you say you are recycling, well, okay, put that in your recycling report then, you know, type of thing. So they're just, to me, this is really kind of an evolution of transparency and I think personally that it's an easy embrace for this if you're already demonstrating these types of things. What types of um, pushback, what obstacles, hurdles, objections have you heard from you know, your colleagues and, and from people in the energy industry when it comes to the whole ESG acceptance or this movement, if you will? Sure. Um, it certainly was more prevalent as it was getting going. So back in 2015 through maybe 2017, but um, it, it does feel unnatural to the oil and gas industry to be so public and to be so forthright with telling our stories and um, really getting ourselves out there in that sense, or at least in some cases. And the big concern we always heard was that we were giving the other side the information they needed to try to put us business. And the truth of it is most of the things that you would be disclosing through your ESG reporting and the technical metrics are publicly available information. So it is things that people can go and find if they know how to today, whether or not you're putting it in an ESG report or published on your website. So the data is out there. What, what ESG really allows you to do is get credit for the things that the company is doing well that may or may not Public. So say you have um, a great diversity and inclusion policy, the company is expanding its, um, you know, recruitment of people of color or women or any sort of um, diversity of uh, experience. All of that are things that maybe aren't public and that are great things for the industry to promote and stories to tell. And so the key to ESG consistently improve and year over year if you can show change and show augmentation and the reporting that you guys are completing it really is a benefit and so um we would say that you know esg isn't giving people the information about a business it's actually providing the information to show how advanced and um sophisticated the companies really are I think another obstacle that a lot of people in oil and gas are kind of grasping right now, and I think I just made that word up, are kind of <laughs> are kind of finagling with or whatever, is uh, when they th- hear the word ESG, they automatically think of the environment. They think of climate change. They think of climate activism. And I just want to, because you actually, your your organization does much more than just energy companies. Now, you specialize in energy companies because that's the the background you have. But my understanding is 
your, your company that you're a part of actually does like medical, it does banking, it does a number of different industries. So, um, but, but what I want to ask you, I guess, is that when it comes to ESG, it's more about how the companies build trust with the communities and how they foster innovation and how they treat their workers and how they manage their supply chain, much more than it has to do with climate change. Now, that's a part of it, too. But those other parts, I think, are, if not more important, at least equally important. Am I on the right page here? Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Um you know, from a society perspective, environmental is perhaps why there is such an intense focus on the oil and gas industry. But I, I agree with you, the the G in particular is incredibly significant and also why there continues to be a focus on the oil and gas industry. So um, governance has to do with how your board manages the company, their engagement in issues like climate change, executive compensation, um, environmental practices, responses to risk, all of those things are actually pieces when you're looking at ESG frameworks that fall through the governance lens. So it really is about paying attention to how engaged your leadership and your board members are. And that is what will give investors, potentially the, the communities at large, more um, awareness and insight into how the company is managed. Because really ESG, another way to think about it is is risk management. So if you are engaging in ESG, you're measuring the data and the metrics that it requests. And if you can measure it, then you can manage it. And that is really why you tend to see companies engaged in ESG performing better from a, a true business perspective. Um, as you mentioned with A&M, the firm I'm at now, we are an international practice and we are in all sectors. And that has really become a great benefit because Focusing on oil and gas um, and knowing the industry is incredibly helpful when it comes to engaging with oil and gas companies. But when you look at trends across the space, there are other sectors who are very far advanced. Uh, tech is one, and certainly any sort of <laughs> company focused in Europe, uh, they tend to be on that lead cutting edge of ESG. And so now to have the opportunity to engage with those companies and watch those practices really helps us bring those back into the oil and gas space to keep us uh, kind of more advanced and leading as well. Ashley McNamee is our guest. She's a director of ESG services at Alvarez and Marcel, is it? Marcel? Yep. Now, uh, before we kind of conclude here, because I'm looking at the clock, I did want to ask you about that risk management side of things, because I believe you and I talked about this off the air uh, last week a little bit, and I have had this conversation with a few people that have gone through the uh, ESG certification and just, you know, lived the real experience part. And part of the uh, irons, it's part of the wrinkles that they're kind of ironing out right now, and where is is that risk management side to where the social part seems to be so important in some areas that it's almost like they'll put through a business plan that's going to lose money if it's socially acceptable. Now, I don't know if that's actually happening or not, but it certainly seems like there's so much uh, emphasis put on that social part of things. And that's always been a big issue when it comes to you know companies and corporations is, yeah, it would be great to give money to the nonprofit and the social cause and this and that. So talk to me a little bit about how the risk management plays into that whole social element of the ESG movement? Sure. Uh, 
So I would say, first and foremost, the oil and gas industry has done an exceptional job when it comes to that social sector. So oil and gas has always come to the table. It's always done the right thing. It's always contributed back to the communities where their employees live and operate. And you see true, meaningful social engagement. So not just you know, fly by night, cutting in, coming in, cutting checks and moving on. It's more how they, the, the folks who do social work for oil and gas companies tend to live within the oil patch and they really know the needs of that um, area and can provide things. Widening, just for an example, we um, in Watford City worked with the new McKinsey County Hospital there to bring back a maternity week so that you could have babies back in the heart of the oil patch, which had been a service that had been gone for decades. So that's a, a true example of what social engagement in communities for oil and gas companies looks like. So I think we do social well. Um, but for in terms of risk, risk is um, obviously a very significant piece of any business, and to your point, and how it factors into business planning. And if you were to take a hot topic these days like climate change, uh, most oil and gas companies don't want to and don't need to get into a debate about if climate real. That's sort of something that um, is not necessarily <laughs> helpful to oil companies to engage in. But where you can apply climate change from a risk perspective is to look at the future and determine as you know rivers are rising, as snowfall is increasing, and you're going to see flooding in different areas, how prone are your operations to those potential changes? And that risk assessment is what would give investors more confidence in the future of the company's ability to continue to perform and deliver results is by overlaying those sorts of risks to their operations. So the risk management piece of it is, is very robust. It's one of the biggest pieces you can engage in. Um, and that's where ESG is really very uh, specific to each company. And so you see a lot of folks and any ESG work is better than none. So we're definitely um, proud of the industry for making the strides that it has. But determining what's material to a company is very specific to that company. And so to that example of climate change, how it could impact a, a company's operations, that's going to change, obviously, for each one. And so that's sort of a big key to ESG is determining what is material to a company. And then you take those material topics, and that's what you build your ESG program and report from. And it's sort of a, a difficult process to do if you're not familiar with it. But uh, there are lots of folks out here who can help with that for sure. But that, that is what will drive sort of your risk engagement and your ESG program is, you know, determining what is specific to your company and what you should focus on um, basic, based on all of that, basically. I don't know if that makes any sense, but... <laughs> Made sense to me. Made sense to me because, and I think the most important part is that um, if there's no need to engage into a discussion that's not going to bear any fruit, don't do it. There's, yeah. there, there's, other, there's other ways to get that fruit. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of what I'm hearing. That's totally right. So the first step we, we would do for a company is, you know, you can do a gap analysis and see what, what they're doing internally that isn't public that might garner them some, um, you know, better scores from agencies or just more disclosures overall. But then the next piece of it really is uh, benchmarking. And we do a lot of work with private equity funds and looking around, taking that example, what other private equity firms are doing with ESG, what is public, how far are they taking it? That sort of information is really what informs what we would advise a company to engage in also. So you don't ever want to get, you know, 
14 steps ahead of your peers, staying in line and doing what is appropriate is a, is a big piece of it. Um, the other thing I would bring up, though, is as we're looking at this, the, the potential for regulation when it comes to ESG is becoming very real. So uh, the SEC is no longer saying it might regulate ESG disclosures. It's saying it will. They have formed a task force. They are looking through different frameworks that they would support in order to try to standardize disclosures because the issue that some investors might point out today is that um, it's sort of apples and oranges. You can't necessarily compare a company side by side with each comes to their ESG disclosures because they're not the same always. And so as you'll start to see regulation come into this space, the need to report ESG will obviously become very real. And the only thing I might you know throw in there is it's not something you can flip a switch and just do tomorrow. You really have to lay groundwork. You have to, again, going back to that measure and manage sort of idea. If, you, if we aren't already measuring and creating baselines for some metrics that you would be required to report, Doing that takes time. Start to regulate. But definitely want to have all that in a place where you could execute and report if you needed to. So, how can people get a better handle on what we're talking about, what you're talking about? Now, your company obviously, I imagine, does these audits and can get people on board. So, talk about uh, specifically uh, how you can assist energy companies bridge their business to the current century we're living in? Sure. Yeah, we, we can certainly help. Um, it is not a one-size-fits-all approach. So I kind of, um, in some of the presentations we make, throw out a menu concept where it's all of the things you could do to do ESG perfectly. But going back to that idea that each company is really different, their sophistication levels are different, their collection and data might look different, it's really getting in and working with a company to understand where they are in the process and then tailoring the response. It's only what they need. So it's not one of those things where you're going to go to a firm or hopefully our firm and we would throw everything at you. It's really looking at what you need and providing the you need in order to be able to get to a place where you can report and disclose meaningfully to get credit for all the work you're already doing. How can people get in touch with you or your company? My name's Ashley McNamee. <laughs> um, my email is Ashley, or no, excuse me, A McNamee at Alvarez and Marcel. And I, it's a little hard to spell, so maybe we can post that or something to help folks out. Oh, well, de- yeah. We definitely have the links on there. But, you know, we, <laughs> what we believe in here, I'm a Montessori uh, supporter. My kid went to Montessori, so we tried to do the audio, the visual, and, you know, kid yeah. aesthetics. So, folks, write it down, then you'll never forget it because now you heard it, and then you'll sure. be able to see it. So if we can just get those folks to write it down, then we've completed the three forms of learning. And yes. um, yeah, that's what we try to do here. So, well, I appreciate you coming on today. Yeah, thank you so much for, for the time. And it's great to talk to you as always. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Who
Food Life with Jason Spies. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomenon. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it very serious. It makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Spies, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Spies. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Jerry Simmons, the CEO and president of DEPA, Domestic Energy Producers Alliance. This is Jerry Simmons. The obvious way to look at that for us is that we're all about free market. The independent U.S. domestic oil and gas producers are fiercely independent individuals and have been since it, since the inception of the industry in, in this country. And we're all for a, a free market and an open market. And if you just look around, back 10 years ago, a decade ago, we were energy reliant on other countries. We were importing 60% of our oil uh, from countries in the Middle East. We were floating battleships and, and uh, aircraft carriers over there constantly uh, with our, our, our treasure and, and our, our uh, lives, uh, risking daily for, uh, for what we had right here. And with our innovation and what we did, let the government get out of the way is exactly what happened, and uh, the the U.S. entrepreneurial spirit developed horizontal drilling and hydraulic fracturing and combined those two for the shale explosion that's happened across the country that made us energy independent. And another thing that DEPA did, that our federal government wasn't helpful, back in the 70s, we we went through a whole series of problems with, with energy in this country. We thought we were running out of energy. Everybody thought we were running out of energy. Peak uh, oil. Peak oil. Waiting lines at the gas station. Absolutely. Gas right. stamps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yes. Oh. Yeah. I wasn't even alive, barely. Well, yeah. Well, I was, and I was buying gas. So I, I remember those days. And it was, the, it was that Arab oil embargo, the Carter administration, along with, I believe, probably then Senator uh, Biden, uh, switched us, switched us around to a lot of coal. So folks that want to talk about CO2 and what's going on in this country and coal plants, uh, that all started in the 1970s, and it expanded through the 80s, uh, and now we're reversing that trend. We're, we're now producing more natural gas, more natural gas uh, plants, and uh, we've reduced our CO2 emissions in this country again. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota. 
home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now, I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and let me just say this, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone, talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas, and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It, it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, the grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today. Uh, and, and there's... It's our snowy here in Lubbock again. I mean, I don't... I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I'm from Odessa, and that's a big part of my district, but I also represent, uh, in addition to Hector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Hector County, Ward County, and Winkler County, but uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that, that those, uh, those materials. And so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one, heat our homes, or two, uh, have fuel for our vehicles. Um, with pipelines, that doesn't really come into effect. You know, once the pipelines are laid, not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B. They are so far behind the curve on getting the storage, the battery storage, uh, in place to be even be able to handle a, 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 you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now, you know, there's going to be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half the gigawatts went without water since 
Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas on a on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? J.P. Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. Well, I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by Orange Property Management. The origins of Orange Property Management date back to the year 2000 when Fargo native Mike Marcel, an entrepreneur who was living in California, was starting to acquire residential properties in the Bay Area as a little side venture. Fast forward to today, Orange Property Management has grown to 36 full-time employees across 13 communities with a portfolio of over 1,300 residential and commercial units ranging from single-family homes to multi-family apartment developments. For more information, visit their website, orangeproperties.com. That's orangeproperties.com. The Crude Life Play Hard, Work Hard is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life, and I'd like to take a moment to tell you about Kate's Man Cave and how Kate has improved my mind, body, and my soul. Kate's Man Cave uses the latest in sexual health education high-quality hygiene products, and the hottest, and I do mean hottest, accessories from Pure Romance. Kate's Man Cave has enhanced my life more than I could ever imagine. Kate's Man Cave has quality products for my bath and shower, as well as my overall wellness. But between you and me, and anyone else listening, they also have products for my bedroom and my boudoir. Takes a real man to enter Kate's man cave, so if you're a real man or you want to turn your boy into a man, then check out Kate's man cave today. That's Kate's man cave.